0: Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Church, it's so good to see you, but before we get seated, we're going to pray this morning. Whether you are in the room or whether you are watching online, you are welcome in this place. But there's not just you and I here today. The presence of God is here. And we just sang a lyric in that song that says, there's one name that silences the enemy. And there's one name that will give us and see us through the victory. And his name is Jesus. And I don't know what circumstances surround your life today. But I do know this. As human beings we all have answers that we're looking for we all have problems that need solving we all have situations that need fixing and it all starts and finishes with Jesus so we're gonna right place him right now before we open his word together Heavenly Father I thank you God That you are Alpha and Omega, which means you're the beginning and the end of all things and everything in between. Father, I thank you that this day you have the answer to the question I'm asking. Lord God, that you are the solution to the problem I'm facing. And that God, as I cling to you and lean in and learn from your word... I believe that victory is mine today. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you help me to articulate your Word this morning. Lord God, that we would all leave here changed. In the mighty name of Jesus, Amen. Amen. Go ahead, take your seats. It's the first time that I get to speak to you on the second Sunday of 2023. It's like, you know, where is time gone? I think we're two weeks in Every woman in this place, we thought we'd have lost two stone by now, and it's just not happening. And uh, but anyway, this thought today came about was prompted to me, but a conversation that I had with my son just prior to New Year, when he asked me the question, Mum, why do we always sing Auld Lang Syne' at every New Year? And I had to think for a moment because I couldn't really answer him, because. I knew it was a tradition if we gather with friends, if we're at a party, we'll go out on the street, we'll hold hands, we'll all sing this song, but I didn't know why we sung it. I also didn't really know the origin of it and that I know it's Scottish, and that's about it, and it made me go on Google and do a little bit of research and have a look and The first thing I discovered was that I was saying it completely wrong because I was calling it calling it old zyne and who laughed then? <laughs> like most of you might know, but it's old Syne. I never knew that. And then I discovered us making all my own lyrics up as well. For the for, you know, for the whole period of my life. I've been singing, you know, the stole acquaintance be forgot who never served their time. Like, like I just completely made that up myself. And it got me thinking how the Bible is thousands and thousands of years old thousands and thousands of years old, how much gets lost in translation through the years? How much do we pick up quotes, Christian colloquialisms, sayings that we don't really understand? How many scriptures do you recite, do you quote, but you don't really understand? We have this language that we call Christianese, that we talk in the church that you wouldn't find anywhere else. Hallelujah, praise the Lord, bless your brother. You wouldn't find that in the office or the gym, but we seem to paraphrase it, use it around the church settings, yet we have little understanding. And yet this book is the word of life. It is more powerful than any two-edged sword, and yet it is rendered powerless in your life if all you do is quote it, use sayings from it and have little understanding of what it is that you are actually saying. You know, during this month, we're talking all things about the mind. And Luke opened last week and he was talking about mindsets and the way that we think and the way that we can use our mind. And he used this, he he, he made this statement, which I absolutely loved. It It just stuck with me. He said, imitation can be your greatest, will be your greatest limitation. Imitation will be your greatest limitation. I think sometimes as Christians, we're the worst imitators of Christ ever. Like, we're not truly living out what the gospel says. We think we are because we're talking the talk but we don't understand what we're saying or what we're doing a lot of the time. And that is why in your life, you think, huh, you know, I've been doing this Christian thing for quite some time, but nothing changes. My life's no different and neither will be if all we do is quote words from the Bible. You know, one such phrase is, I'm blessed, I'm blessed how are you doing? I'm blessed. And we hear people saying that, what they're actually paraphrasing is life's really good at the moment. You'll never hear anybody going through a crisis or a dilemma saying, I'm blessed. I'm living the blessed life. We don't fully understand what the word means. And what happens when we don't understand is that we think every time there's a setback in life, every time we're faced with a problem, we're going to think, I'm not blessed. Because we have conditioned ourselves to wrongly believe that blessings are altogether circumstantial when they are not. So I want to look at this word today and I want to help us to understand what it is to live a blessed life. I want you to understand what it is to have your life blessed by God that it's not a strap line you say in a phrase that you quote but actually the real meaning of it and we're going to go to the very first psalm that was written or the very first psalm in order that they're placed in the Bible. It was written by David. And if any of you know anything about the life of David, you will know his life was anything but problem-free. Like his life was riddled with difficulties and situations and complications. Yet he writes about what it is to be a blessed man and calls himself a blessed man. This is how it reads in Psalm 1, verse 1. He says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth fruit in season, whose leaf also will not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Did you catch that last line? Whatever he does shall prosper. There's going to be prosperity on your life in every area when you recognise what it is to live a blessed life. Being blessed is not a condition but rather it is a position that you do your life from. If we think blessings are conditional, then we're thinking that it's down to us, where we are in life, who we are in life, what we're going through in life. But blessings are not conditional, they are positional. It's because of where you've planted your life in the hands of Jesus. I've given my life over to Jesus. Therefore, I am now in a position to do a blessed life. It's a confidence that you carry that if my God is for me, then who or what can be against me? On my good days, I'm blessed. And on my worst days, guess what? I'm still blessed. Because it's not to do with the circumstances of my life, but it's to do with where I position my life from. Now, there are times in your life when you will notice and see the blessing of God on your life because of something he's done for you. It's like unmerited favour. Like it just shouldn't have happened to me and it did. And it can only be God. And you know God's hand of blessing is upon you. You know, like you went for the job interview and 10 others went for the job interview and most of them were more qualified than you, but you got the job. It's like that has to be God. It's like, you know, those situations where you got the offer, you got the gift, you got the rise, You got the opportunity and everyone around you said how lucky you were, but it has got absolutely nothing to do with luck and everything to do with the fact that your life is blessed. But blessings does not mean my life goes right all of the time. How many know that? Hello? Blessed life doesn't mean that everything goes right All of the time. And this is really important because I think this is where the misunderstanding comes in, right? A blessed life means that I have a covering over my life called grace. Grace covers my life. And it is because of the covering of grace on my life that I live a blessed life. It doesn't mean I have a problem free life you and I are going to be subject to the same problems and the same difficulties as everyone else on this planet because we're all doing life on the earth. But what it means is, though we go through the same thing as everybody else, grace shields me from the severity of what could be. Okay? And that's what a blessed life is. Think of it like this. The rain falls on all of us. But if you go out in a rainstorm and you have a huge umbrella, I'm talking like bigger than a golf umbrella. Remember them umbrellas you had as kids and they were like domes? They started here and they went all the way around you. You're going to go out and though you might get a little bit wet, you are protected from the severity of the weather. That's what grace looks like over your life. It is a protection around you. So though you're going to go through what everybody else is going to go through and face what everybody else is facing, grace protects you. That's what a blessed life is. You know how grace is um, this word, okay? When we were talking about a blessed life, it mentioned things like um, You know, you're going to bring forth fruit in your season. It talks about whose leaf will not wither. You know, when a tree is dying off and getting old, the leaves begin to wither, the leaves begin to, to, to die off. But when you have grace over your life, you live a blessed life. That means you do not have to be subject to the same as everybody else. We've conditioned ourselves to think. 65, you're a you sit in your armchair and you just wait for the end. Like, that's how the world conditions you to think. Okay, but when you understand that you do life with grace over your life, listen to this, Deuteronomy 34, verse 7, it's talking about Moses. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor was his strength gone. Amen. Like, Yes, please. You know, I still want to be running with the twenty-year-olds. I'm like, come on! Some of you, you, you—I don't know. Can I, can I say knackered? I don't know. Can I? That's, some of you are done. Some of you are aged. Some of you are tired. You're like thirteen. You're like, oh, I'm just so tired. I'm like, come on! When you understand that you do life with grace over you. You know, Isaiah knew what he was talking about when he wrote in Isaiah 40, but those who trust in the Lord will find a new strength because it's a strength that's not on this planet already. It's above and beyond the natural strength that has already been given to you. Isaiah said, you're going to find new strength. New strength. You will soar on wings like eagles. Well, what does that even mean? Why did he say that? Well, maybe it's because the eagle's wingspan is the greatest of all the birds. And when the storms of life come, the eagle rises above the storm. You know, so he's saying you're gonna soar on wings like eagles, run and not grow weary. You're gonna walk and not faint. That's a blessed life. You're still gonna go through what everybody else goes through. But you're gonna go through it differently. You're going to go through it blessed. So, I want us to be mindful of what grace is so that we can be mindful of what a blessed life is, so that we go into our 2023, right, with a clear understanding. We're going to be mindful. Mindful means I'm going to be consciously. Aware. I'm not just going to bandy this word around, but I'm going to be consciously aware of what it is to live a blessed life. We need to be mindful that grace is given. It's not something you did, it's not something you earned. If you are a Bible believing, God loving, Christ following Christian in here today, then you need to know that grace is freely given. Grace is given you have grace over your life. Now the words grace and blessed are twinned together. They are different but the same. They are interchangeable. You don't get one without the other. If you have grace over your life, then you're going to live a blessed life. But you can't live a blessed life until you first received grace over your life. Being blessed Is not conditional, being blessed is not circumstantial. You know, you can be in the midst of chaos and confusion and still you are blessed. You can be lacking, you can be without, and still you are blessed. You see, too often people think the presence of the problem means the absence of a blessing, but you have this thing called grace over your life, and it's the grace over you that gets you through the problem facing you, and that's what a blessed life is. God never promised you a problem-free life. So, like, if that's news for you today, then I am sorry, but again, that's a mist-conceived idea that we get, God never promised you a problem-free life, but what he did give to you was the grace to get you through the problems in your life. You don't have either or. You don't have blessings or a problem. It's not one or the other, okay? You have them both at the same time. They run together In your life, they're hand in hand, blessings. And problems, they run together. You know, there's gonna be seasons in your life, like we've talked about, where God's favor is gonna be on you and it's gonna be evident because there's gonna be opportunities that have come to you. There's gonna be doorways that have opened for you, things that should not have happened to you that just did happen to you. Everybody will call it luck and everybody will call it chance, but you know it's because I'm blessed by God. But there will be other seasons in your life. When the grace of God will be evident on you because of the trauma you came through, because of the battle you endured because of the tears you cried, the scars you wear, the pain you still carry, because you came through what everybody else said would be the end of you. You didn't die. You survived. You didn't stay down. You got up again. You kept going. You hung on in there when everybody else said, walk away. Why? Because there was a grace on your life. Though you may not have been able to articulate it or speak it, there was a grace over your life and it just gave you a downright determination to keep on going. You know, in Daniel 3, it tells us a story about three Hebrew boys. Their names were Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And uh, some of you may be familiar with the story, but you can go and read all about it in the book of Daniel. But these boys at time, they were in captivity in a land called Babylon and they were ordered, the whole land was ordered to bow down and worship this huge idol the king had made of himself because he was like all about his selfies. And so they were ordered to bow down and worship this idol. And these three Hebrew boys, they refused. They said, we worship one God, our worship goes to the God, the God alone and because of their disobedience, the king was so infuriated. He ordered these three boys to be bound. They still, the Bible says, they still had all their robes on, their turbans on their head. The king ordered that their wrists be bound and their feet be bound. And then he was so mad, he said, I'm going to throw them into a fiery furnace, but you can turn the furnace up seven times hotter than usual. And it says that he got his soldiers to throw the boys into the fire as they opened the furnace doors and they began to launch shadrach meshach and abednego into the furnace the furnace the flames were so hot it killed the soldiers who were trying to put them in there they were in there moments when nebuchadnezzar jumped up and he said did we not put three bound men into the furnace everybody agreed He said, Well, I can see four free men walking around, and the fourth looks like God. And I love that story. The set that they were in a furnace and they should have died. They were walking around with God. God enabled them to walk around, to walk in, to walk through what should have incinerated them. God enabled them. And I don't know what your story is today. Maybe you should be, you know, you should be having a breakdown. You should be having a meltdown. You should be lying down. You should be a statistic, drug and alcohol addicted. But somehow, some way, grace got in you and around you and you're still here, walking around, being present in the very thing that should have taken you out. Maybe you have had suicidal thoughts. Maybe you're here today and you know what it is to be at your wits end. But when the enemy tried to get a hold of you, grace got all around of you and you are still here. That's the grace of God. You might not be in the middle of a furnace like these Hebrew boys were, but you might be in the middle of your own fair old mess, in the middle of a divorce, in the middle of a health diagnosis, in the middle of financial chaos, in the middle of losing your teenage child. In the middle, in the middle of your mess, but I want you to know that the same God who was there protecting those three Hebrew boys from what should have destroyed them by His grace, He's here and He's protecting you from the very thing that you're facing, taking you out today too. This a grace of God because walking in grace doesn't mean you won't have problems, but it does mean your problem won't have you. It's important. Second thing we need to be mindful of is that our grace needs to be guarded. Guarded. Even the grace is a gift that has been given. You have a responsibility to guard the grace that you've been given. It's not this covering over your life that you can just go through life and forget about everything and everyone and just, I'm protected, I'm covered. No, no. You have a responsibility to guard the grace that has been given. So I have a home, you have a home. My house is my home and my house offers me protection. It covers me, it shields me, it's my safe place, it's my home. But I have a responsibility to protect that home even though it's mine. I have a responsibility to protect it. Therefore, I'm gonna vet who comes to the door before they come through the door. Like I hold the keys and I get to decide, do I want you in my home? Do I not want you in my home? And it works exactly the same with grace. The scriptures tell us, the scripture that we read right at the very beginning from Psalm 1 tells us how to guard our grace in order that we might live a blessed life. It tells us what not to do before it tells us what we ought to do. It says this at the very beginning of that psalm, blessed is the one who does not. Walk in step with the ungodly, or take the same stance as sinners, or enjoy the company of the scornful. Everybody wants to know what to do to live a blessed life, but the power, the real power, comes in what you do not do. That's how and when and where you will live a blessed life. You need to guard your grace by what you allow into your life. In summary, that scripture is saying, be mindful of the conversations you keep, of the company you keep, of the advice you take. Be mindful. What does that mean? Don't go telling everybody what's going on with you. Don't go telling everybody what you're believing for this year. If anybody else comes and asks me what my word is for the year, I'm like, if I've got one, it's between me and God. Like, don't tell everybody what you're praying about. Don't tell everybody, because when you do, you're inviting in their opinion. And not all of their opinion will be wise counsel. Not all of their opinion will be good advice. In fact, some will even be critical to the vision that you have for your life. Some, you know, will oppose it because their vision's not your vision and God hasn't deposited in them what he's deposited in you. And so you need to hold on to wise counsel. It says, do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, we often think of the ungodly as being the church haters and slaters. We often think of the ungodly as being like, I don't know, witches and warlocks and people who are completely adverse to the ways of God. But do you know Here we go, surprise, surprise. The ungodly are actually in church as well. Because in this context, what this scripture actually means, it's talking about the ungodly being anyone who tries to oppose the work of God in your life. Anyone who wants to stand in the way or get in the way of what God wants to do in your life. God has a plan for you, which he along the journey of life will reveal to you. Not to anybody else. But people, even out of love, can get in the way, right, of God's plan for your life. For those of you who know scripture, and if you don't, there was a, there's an account just before Jesus went to the cross and he's in the garden of Gethsemane. And, and, and he knew that the soldiers were coming to arrest him and it was the start of his journey up towards the cross. And when they came to arrest him, Peter stood in the way. And Peter did it out of love. And he's like, not my Lord, not my Jesus. And he drew his sword and he chopped off a soldier, one of the Roman soldiers' ears. And Jesus rebuked him. In fact, Jesus called him Satan. Because what Jesus was saying to him was like, Peter, I know you love me, but right now you're standing in the way of God's plan for my life. Like this has to happen. You know, when we were starting this church, Luke and I had obviously had a lot of conversation together in private on our own. We'd been praying and we really sensed and believed that this was something that God, a direction that God wanted to take our life in. And so, you know, we went and sought advice and counsel from one senior Christian leader who held a national position in this country at the time and Luke drove down to meet him, and that was where we took our counsel from. We did not even tell our closest friends and family at that time, because we knew that out of love, and out of concern, and out of worry, they would have tried to talk us out of it. So you got to be careful of who and where you share your counsel with, even those that are closest to you. Because let me tell you, it's not the people who hate you that will sabotage the grace on your life. In fact, if anything, they're the ones who push you closer to God. But it's those that love you, who say things like, oh, I wouldn't if I was you. Or if I was in your shoes, oh, I'm just so worried about you. They're the ones that will sabotage the grace on your life because even out of love and concern, they can try and talk you out of the plan that God has for you when God is trying to do something in you and through you in order to bless you. So grace must be guarded on your life. Even though friends mean well and they're trying to protect you, God's wanting to do something in you in order to bless you. In the book of Job, he was a man who went through some of the greatest atrocities. He went through some terrible stuff. Job, he he lost loved ones. He was afflicted with illness. He lost his business and his home. And the list goes on. And Job didn't know why he was going through what he was going through. But right in the middle of some of his darkest days, Three of his best friends turn up to offer him counsel. Three of his closest friends come to sit down with him. And do you know how they offered him counsel? You must have done something wrong, Job. This isn't normal. This isn't God. Oh, maybe there's an unconfessed sin in your life, Job. Maybe you need to confess your sins to Job. But you know what? Job knew that his conscience was clear before God. And he ends up actually saying to them, he says to to them in Job 16, you lot, you're all miserable comforters. Job was like, you're calling yourself friends believe I'm blessed even when everything's going wrong. I still believe in the faith in my God changes not even when my life doesn't feel right. He says, you lot, you're miserable because you're looking at the circumstances and trying to make a diagnosis and trying to offer me advice and trying to give me counsel according to what you see. Job may not have understood what he was going through or why he was going through it, but he did know that God had given him the grit of grace to get him through this season of his life. And I love the Bible because we get to see the end from the beginning. So we also get to see the end of Job's life. And in verse 42, it says, the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. And so he died old and full of years. That's a blessed life. Job didn't throw God out the window when a crisis hit his world. Do not sit in the seat of the scornful. It's another do not. And that means, that word scornful means sarcasm. Your Bible might translate it as the seat of mockers, but a sarcastic person who wants to have a laugh at everybody else who wants to remind you of the past? They're critical people, negative people. We always want to talk about what went wrong, what you said that was wrong, what you did that was wrong. Critical, scornful people. It says, don't be around those people. You might even be that person today. And I want to encourage you let it go. Don't take that into your 2023. Don't go into a new year with a bitter and twisted heart. Forgive who you need to forgive. Let go of what you need to let go of. Set yourself free. God wants you to live a blessed life. And in order to live a blessed life, you can't be that type of person and you can't be around that type of person. So when it's given us all that be what we're to do not, it then goes on to say, but blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord, which is the word of God. He meditates on it day and night. That does not mean he's got his Bible open, and away 24 seven. What it means is day and night, he goes through his life, whether he's in the pub, the club, the house, the home, the gym, the workplace, the relationship, wherever he is, he's mindful of the presence of God is with him. He's mindful of God all of the time. And it says that we are to go to, to, to be meditators of this day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does will prosper. The third and final thing you need to be mindful of this year is that grace needs to be grounded. Grounded Is the same as planted. It means immovable, steadfast. And I think this is a word for some people this year. Like God's saying, you just need to be grounded. Just be still. Stop being here, there and everywhere trying to do this, that, the next thing all at once. God said, I just need you to be planted. I just need you to be grounded. You do know right that your body can be in church, but your mind can be in the gym. You can be poised in prayer and planning a party all at the same time. You can be reading your Bible and scrolling through social media virtually at the same time because you're here and you're there and you're everywhere and then you're wondering why your life does not change the word of God says plant be intentional okay God this year I'm gonna let my roots go down in your word I'm gonna open the word of God I'm gonna read it and I'm gonna let my roots go down so that I am intentional on understanding what I'm reading I'm gonna be intentional in my prayer life this year I'm going to let some roots go down deep in my prayer life, that I'm not just blabbing off to you and getting on with my day, but I'm going to take some time to listen to your voice, to train myself to hear from you. That's what it means to be planted. God's intentional on blessing the lives of those who are planted. Think about an aeroplane. When an aeroplane is grounded, It is not in flight mode. It is grounded, but it's grounded for purpose. It is grounded to be refueled. It is grounded to be repacked. It is grounded to be rerouted. And some of you, you just need to be grounded for long enough for God to deposit something in you. Like he's got things he wants to deposit, but it's like he can't catch you because you're everywhere. And just when he thinks you've got you in prayer, you've gone to this and you thinks you've got your Bible open and then you've gone to. So we need to be people who are planted in the things of God through the good times and the bad times too. You're not going to talk to other people. You're going to talk to him. I'm not going to walk out in the marriage. I'm going to stay. I'm not going to leave the church. I'm going to remain planted. Because actually God's got some things to say about that. Because you see, when you're not grounded, you chase after every fad, fashion, friendship, religion, um, relationship, phase, everything. God says, I want to do something in you. Would you just be still for long enough? Psalm 92, those planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. God's saying anything that's planted grows. And Sometimes we're just like, well, we'll do six months in this church. We'll do three months in that church. And this is not a pitch for you to stay in this church. I'm just saying get in a church and plant, right? Because when the root goes down, it's the root that draws the water and draws the nutrients that feeds the tree. And when you're busy going here, there, and everywhere, you're not actually putting any roots down. So you're hearers of the word, but you're not getting actually fed by the word in order for something to grow from your life. An apple seed does not automatically flourish into a tree. Only when it is planted and the roots have an opportunity to go down deep, then does the tree come forth. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean something will automatically grow from your life. But when you are planted, you can draw forth water, you can draw forth. Planted in the house of God, it's like putting a stake down in the ground, saying, this is my land, this is my territory, this is, this is mine. That, that expression, putting a stake down, it comes from a time in America of when the, great expansion, when the, the people would physically run in the 1800s, they would run to own farmland, and it was a race. And whoever got there first, they put a big stake in the ground. That stake was immovable, and that stake meant nobody else can touch this ground. This is where I'm planting my family. This is where this is my heritage. This is where this is where my children's children's children are going to grow, and they would own and possess the land. And I want to explain this to you in this way: that your marriage it's your land, your children. Whether they're toddlers or teenagers or young adults, they're your land. Your career, your finances, your health, your mentality, it's your land. And instead of drifting through life, we need to start putting some stakes in our ground and saying, This is mine. Because there is a race on, you know, because the enemy is after your land, he's after your kids, he's after your marriage your thoughts and if you don't start putting some stakes down He will planted in the house of God you'll flourish that can only mean the reverse is also true not planted in the house of God am I going to do my life outside of the blessing of God there's so much for us to think about today but I hope that we have a little bit more clarity and understanding of what it is to live a blessed life. Can we all stand in here this morning? Because I really want to take this opportunity to pray. But I want to pray for, um, I want to particularly pray for those of you that are not sure, am I doing life with this covering of grace? I want to tell you today that grace has a name and his name is Jesus. And when you invite Jesus into your life to be your Lord and Saviour, grace covers you. Not something you have to do, but you will begin to live a blessed life and you will recognise the blessed life doorways and opportunities will open to you but also when you're facing what you're facing when you go through the difficulties of life you're going to come through and think like I don't know how I did that because you didn't you did it under the grace of Jesus so I'm going to pray a prayer and if that is you today I'm going to ask you You can invite him into your heart. He can radically change your life. And not only that, the most important prayer of all, it's your destiny, relationship with him and a stake in the ground of heaven. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, that I find myself here today. Lord, I have never known you personally. But today, God, I hear that I can. And I'm inviting you into my heart. Lord God, forgive me for where I've tried to figure out life on my own. Today, God, I give my life to Jesus. And I thank you in return for my salvation and your grace that covers my life as I move forward. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.